Hey, welcome to Vine Church Fort Myers podcast. We are glad that you took time to listen. We pray that the message of grace empowers you today. Uh, come on, let's, let's do that together. Father, we love you so much. We thank you uh, for the opportunity to be here together. God, your word says that where two or three are gathered in your name, that your presence is here. So God, we thank you. We honor the most special person in the room. That's you, Jesus. We thank you that you are here. We thank you that uh, you are ready. And if we're willing and open, you will speak to our hearts. So I pray, Lord, speak to our hearts. Father, I ask that what you've asked me to prepare, uh, Father, I pray that not a word would be added and not a word would be missing. I pray that your spirit would just uh, be truthful in all things, God. Uh, and like your word says, that it, it would never come back void, that we would just learn and glean and, and understand your heart and the heart of this house even better, Lord. We love you and we thank you. In Jesus' name, we pray. And everybody said, amen. amen. Well, like uh, Pastor Tulio said, I'm, uh, I'm uh, Luis Quintero, so I do, uh, that is true. I do serve in creative ministry at Next Level. Uh, but I want to tell you a little bit about myself. So first of all, here's what you need to know. Uh, every time I have an opportunity to speak somewhere, I always show a picture of my family because I think you'll like me better. And so uh, this is my family. So that's my wife, Lisa. Uh, that one up there, his name is Roman. He's, uh, he just turned seven this week. Uh, and he's like seven going on 40. Like he's just smart and he just loves God, loves people. Uh, and that's Judah. Judah just turned. He's about a year and seven, eight months. I can't remember, but something like that. And he is so sweet. Uh, yeah, yeah, I can't remember. When you get little kids, you kind of forget all things. But that's my family. I'm originally from Colombia. Uh, I, I was born in Colombia, grew up there until I was uh, 12, 13 years old, and then I went from Bogota, which is a huge city, and then I got shipped. Colombian in the house? Yes. From Cali. Okay, that's, it's cool. I was just kidding. I was just kidding. Colombianos all together for sure. I have to say that because every time you go somewhere, it's always either Cali or Medellin, then Bogota. It's like, oh, you know, so this was my shot. I think you're amazing. And I was just totally kidding. Uh, but I grew up in, in Cape Coral, so I, I, I went from this massive city to, like, I mean, almost, it was 1999, so, I don't know, many, many years ago, it was all pastures in Cape Coral, so it was a culture shock for me, uh, but I grew up there, I played soccer all my life, I did church and soccer, that's all I knew, uh, that's it, like, it's like, you would ask me anything else, I don't know, and uh, the Lord was really good, I ended up getting a scholarship to play uh, college soccer in Tampa, I did that for a couple of years, met my wife there, uh, she was originally from Sarasota, so we got married and slowly got brought us back here to Fort Myers, and so we've been back here in Fort Myers since 09. Uh, I served before ministry, like vocational ministry. I was a banker, so I, I like numbers, and I like helping people with numbers, too. That's a, just a side note there. And then uh, I, in 2012 is when I joined the staff at Next Level. Uh, but, hey, man, I grew up in church, uh, six, seven years old. Uh, I see some of you really young ones. I was doing, like, dramas and you know, y'all remember, like, I don't know if, if you guys remember uh, human videos. You guys know what that is? It's like music, but then you're acting. Like, since I was really little, like, I, I killed Goliath when I was a kid. Like, the whole thing, I did that. And then when I was about 10 or 11, I started playing in worship ministry. So, like, playing guitar, playing drums and all of that. And uh, the truth is this. I have, God has given me an opportunity almost all my life to see creative ministry in the church now for many, many years. And I've seen a lot of really great stuff in the creative ministry but I've seen a lot of really not so great stuff in creative ministry. And that's what I want to speak to you guys about today. Uh, I want to share with you guys first. I love, I love creative ministry because creative ministry is, 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 is a picture, I believe. It's a, it's, a, it's a mirror of who God is. God is creative. If you, if, you, if you don't know that, look at, just look up 
in the sky at night. That, that was his creation. You're his creation. He was a, he's a creative God, and so I love that. That's very much in our DNA. We are to be creative because our God is creative. That's why I love it. I love creative ministry because whether you're doing video, whether you're doing social, whether you're doing worship, whatever you're doing in creative ministry, we get to tell a story that hopefully points people back to Jesus, right? That's why creative is so much fun for me. Um, it, 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 think about Jesus. Every time he went to preach, what did he do? He shared a story. He always had stories. He always created an opportunity and a bridge for people to know God, to know him through storytelling. At creative, that's what we get to do. We get to do all of that as we submit ourselves to Christ. And so, um, and so I believe that God loves creative ministry because he's creative, which means, and here's what I want to talk about today, that Satan hates it. That he, when he comes to creatives in the church, if God loves that, then it means that Satan would love to steal, kill, and destroy it. And, and the problem is this. If you remember in Scripture, Satan was who in heaven? He was the archangel, the worship. He was the creative guy in heaven. He was the guy that literally helped all of that. And so I want to read really quick. Uh, we're going to just take a little bit of Scripture, get some context. But this is who Satan was. This is Isaiah chapter 14, verses 12. The Bible refers to him as the king of Babylon. Morning star, you have fallen from heaven, even though you were as bright as the rising sun. In the past, all the nations and on earth, on earth bowed down before you, but now you have been cut down. You told yourself, I will go up to heaven. I will put my throne above God's stars. I will sit on the mountain of the gods. I will sit on the slopes of the sacred mountain. I will go up above the tops of the clouds. I will be like God most high. But you were brought down to the grave. You were brought down to the deep places where the dead are. So here's what I believe. Because that was his role, I believe that he hates creative ministry in the church. Now he has the, I get it. He hates the church as a whole, but he was the guy that did what you and I did in heaven. Do you think he knows a thing or two about creative and how to discourage and how to disunify and how to take and steal? I think he does because this is what he did. I've seen in my day many talented, gifted, anointed, just really amazing people come through our churches, in my churches, the churches that I've been a part of, and, man, they get caught up in sin. They get caught up in pride. They get caught up in moral failure. They get caught up in rebellion. And there's so much kingdom impact that gets lost because the enemy loves to come in and do sneaky things and steal. And so we have to talk about this. We have to know why this is so important. It's not just that we show up and we do what we do, right? Because sometimes it can, it can feel like that. We get comfortable and good at what we do. But we're, the Bible says that we're not in a, the battle is not flesh or blood. The battle is spiritual. And it's true that if this guy knows how this all works, especially in the, in the heavenly realms, he's going to know a thing or two about how to discourage, how to steal. So I want to tell you a couple of things. The first thing is this. We must understand our role as creatives. We must understand our role as creators. I think the enemy would love to get us to see it differently. So really quick, before we go into some practicals, and I know we're going to leave some time for Q&A, uh, I just want just, just to look at, at the role of the creative through a biblical lens. And again, obviously, we're going to look at this story in Exodus 31, and I get it. There was no social media managers. There's no, you know, big worship team thing, right? Like, there, that's not the context uh, but I do know, I mean, imagine this, right? Imagine if, um, imagine if Moses had, like, an, an Instagram, I, I am. Like, if he actually had Instagram. And think about this, like, he's leading the Israelites out of Egypt. 
and everybody's complaining and his DMs get flooded, which is like, where's the water? Why are we eating? Like, I think about that oftentimes. I get weird thoughts about the Bible sometimes, and I ask questions like that, but that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about the spiritual role as a creative. Uh, And so what we will see, though, is we will see woodworkers. We will see musicians, carpenters. Uh, And so here's what I want to do. I want to look at Exodus chapter 31st really quick. Um, And in this verse, the the Bible says that God doesn't just tell them to just, come on, you're going to build a tabernacle. God just doesn't leave it as a, you guys figure it out. As a matter of fact, God is pretty prescriptive. He's very detailed on how it should be. So this is what it says on on, on chapter 31 of Exodus. It says, the Lord said to Moses, look, I have specifically chosen uh, Basilel, son of Uri, grandson of Hur, of the tribe of Judah. I have filled him with the spirit of God, given him great wisdom, ability, and expertise in all kinds of crafts. He is a master craftsman, expert in working with gold, silver, and bronze. He is skilled in engraving in mountain gemstones and all carving of wood. He is a master at every craft. In other words, he is amazing at leading worship. Let me translate it for us today. He is amazing at doing social. He's got great video ideas. He's got all the skill. I've, I've anointed him to do all of this. He can play. He can do He's, it, it's all there. But verse 6 says this, Moreover, I have given him a special skill, all the, gifts, all the gifted craftsmen, so they can make all things. Ready? Here's the key of this entire thing. As I have commanded you to make. The craftsman must take everything and do it as God commanded, as I have commanded you. So hear me out real quick. Very gifted, very talented guy. But the key of all that was, as I have commanded you, you will build. Not, not as you have commanded you, you will build. Yes, yes, you might be very gifted. You might be very talented. You might have all the skill in the world. But if it's unto you and how you want it, there's going to be a little bit of difference in the tabernacle that God was trying to build and what he maybe wanted to do. The God, the God of heaven was very specific. You will do as I say. So I want to give you, if you're taking notes, if you'll remember this, however you want to do this, I want to give you first... I want to look at two, two, as we talk about creative team, two things, right? We're going to look at personally how this plays in our lives, and then I want to talk about how it plays as a team, right? It always starts with us first. We should take responsibility for our souls, our spirits first. So I want to give you some personal choices to honor the role that God has given us as creatives. So if, if you would, follow me real quick. The first one is this. The first personal choice we must make as creatives in the church is choose intimacy with God and openness with God. Choose intimacy with God and openness with God. Where is your creativity coming from? Where is it coming from? It's coming from somewhere. It's either coming from Bible stories, time with God, or it might be coming from someone you follow on IG, a church you want to be like, a musician you want to be like. It's coming from somewhere. Y'all following me? Your creativity is coming from somewhere. The question is, where is it coming from? Let me be very honest. We've, over the years at our church, we've done conferences. We do them every year. And, and we, do a lot of, we do a lot of things. We do a lot of events. We do a lot of, and there's been seasons, if I can be honest, where I don't think our best creativity has come forth because we haven't prioritized our time with God on a personal level. Here's one of the things that I loved about our last conference uh, that we had in October. 
uh, and, and I actually, like I said, I like numbers. So I was looking at all of our programming, every piece that we did. And I wish I could tell you it was 100%, but it wasn't. I think about 85 to 90% of everything we created from our creative team came from a quiet time with God. So our opener was this whole thing with, um, with the, the song Build Your Church. I don't know if you guys have heard that song, Build Your Church, Build Your Church, Build it from the, that whole song, right? I was in a quiet time with God, worshiping myself in that song, and I, I felt like the Lord gave me a vision. He showed me a video. This is with this song. And so I submitted it to the team. We started cooking. And then when it happened at conference, I remember sitting there going, this is amazing because it was a God idea. That inspiration came from God, not Lewis. I can't take the credit for that. I was worshiping in my quiet time. I was praying in my quiet. I was, and God downloaded something to me. I wish I could tell you that that happens every time, but we're learning to prioritize that as personally, but as a team. There was a moment in, a, in the same conference with one of our pastors, our, our, our worship pastor, and same thing. He was in his quiet time, came into our one-on-one, and he said, hey, I was praying, worshiping through this song, goodness of God. I want to submit this to you. Ended up being one of the most powerful moments in our service because that inspiration, that creativity comes from somewhere. So I'm asking you personally, are you prioritizing time with God, not just for the sake of the, the thing that we do every day, but for the sake of your personal relationship growing with God, that when that is healthy, that when that is good, God will download things to you. God will show you things. And the moment those things come in, they taste different. They feel different than what you would do if it was an idea from another church or if it was an idea from an IG account that I saw. And now I'm not talking about religious duty. I'm not talking about, I'm talking about friendship with God. I'm talking about relationship with God. Our time in his presence, our time in his word and our time with one another, some of the best ideas come when we collaborate with one another. Here's the second thing that I would encourage you to choose on a personal level as you, as you steward that role of God uh, in this house as a creative. Choose humility and choose spiritual submission to your leaders. Choose humility and choose spiritual submission to your leaders. The Bible is very clear. Psalm 133, the anointing. I love this, this, this picture. I'm a, I'm a sucker for poetry, and I love how King David would do things like this. He would talk about the anointing flowing from the head, which is Jesus, right? He says this in Psalm 133, verse 1. How good and blessing it is when God's people live together in what? Unity. Unity is a key component to anointing, by the way. It is like precious oil poured on the head, running down to the beard, running down on Aaron's beard, all the way down to the color of his robe. And he's talking about when you think about this and you, you look at Scripture and study this, we're talking about the church. That's how God flows his anointing in the church. One of my favorite stories, and this was also at the art conference. I don't know, Carlos, if you remember this. Christine Kane. Uh, anybody know who Christine Kane is? She's just a, man, she's an amazing woman of God, has an amazing ministry called 821, which they basically help, you know, sex slavery. They just work on that. It's amazing. But one of the things that always, and again, I don't know how you measure this because I think it's subjective, but, man, God has used her, and she has a, well, I would say a very successful ministry for God. Um, but what I love most is that every time she gets up to talk, the first thing she does is she says, first of all, I'm submitted to God. Second of all, my house is Hillsong House. My pastor is Pastor Brian, and she has submitted herself to that. Even though she's got an amazing gift in ministry, she's still submitted under the authority of her pastor and leader. And I think that's, that's actually very uncommon in our culture today because our culture is very much what you want, what you want, how you want it. And so spiritually speaking, I think that 
if I can be honest, we have to be aware, and I'm speaking, I'm preaching to myself, so hear me out. This is not like I figured this out. But we all must be aware of our personal preferences. You have personal preferences where you know it or not. I have personal preferences. Let me go real, real quick. I love planet shakers. Somebody out there? No? Just me. Love planet shakers. I love that they hit you with some rock, they hit you with some gospel, and then you're just in the presence of God. If it was up to me, we'd be doing planet shakers every day at my church. I love River Valley worship. I think they write so poetic. They, they're so intimate in their lyrics. And I could play a River Valley worship song, and I'm in the presence of God. So if it was up to me, we'd be doing more River Valley worship out in the church. But here's the deal. That's not the vision of my pastor. That's not the vision of my leader. So even though there's a personal preference and a liking, a thing, I, I have a choice whether to push my agenda or submit to God's agenda in whatever vision he's given my pastors. So from time to time, we will do Planet Shakers. From time to time, we'll do a River Valley song, but never at the cost of my desire overriding the correct spiritual position of my heart. And so I want to encourage you. That, that is a huge piece. I think when we allow our personal preferences to drive what we're doing, I think that's where pride kicks in. I think that's where things that, remember, Satan, that's what he did. He wanted the glory onto himself. He wanted to steal that and make it his own. And I think when we allow that to happen, pride sneaks in. And it's very sneaky. It's not always like, well, there's pride. No, no, no. It's one decision after another, after another. We have to be aware of our personal preferences. Now, let me say this. Uh, because I came from a young, like when I was very young, I came a little bit from a legalistic background, and it was kind of like I was never given the opportunity to share my heart. It was kind of like, you did this, you, you responded wrong to your mother, you're not playing on the team this week. Like, but it was never a conversation. I'm not, don't hear what I'm not saying. I'm just saying I never had an opportunity to hear. And, and, and here's what I want you to know with what I just shared. Spiritual submission and, and spiritual understanding of where you stand as God has placed you in a church or in your church or in your role doesn't mean that you cannot share your thoughts or ideas. You're not a robot. And I don't think Pastor Raphael, I don't think Tulio, I don't think they want robots doing ministry. I don't think they want just yes men and yes women doing whatever they say. I don't think that's their heart. But what I am saying is this, the way in which we ask and submit the way in which we bring our ideas matters a whole lot. Here's how we do it, and here's how I've learned how to do it. There is a time and a place for all of that. The best time for us to do that with our leaders is in private. Is in private. When you have private conversations, when you have private disagreements, you have an opportunity to, according to Scripture, solve things on a one-on-one -on -one basis. Uh, I'm going to be real with you because sometimes I, I love when people teach me stuff, but... I'm going to tell you the bad stuff because that's how I learn best. Now, don't tell me what to do. Tell me what you did wrong, and then I'll learn. So let me tell you what's happened in our, in our context. There's been moments where I've had team members have frustrations or have questions, and every time it's done in a public setting with a group, nine times out of ten, it throws everything off. It makes people uncomfortable. It, it, it actually doesn't buy the person uh, credibility. Because it sounds and it feels like they're just trying to push an agenda. About three weeks ago, let me tell you how I messed this up. No, it was longer than that. It was probably about close to two months ago now. It was right before our conference. We had to make a couple of last-minute changes to our worship ministry set. We had a set that had to be changed. I was in a meeting with our pastors. I got that stuff, and we had to move, right? 
So I came back to our worship ministry. I now came back to uh, our worship director, and I said, hey, here's what I need you guys to do. Boom, 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 boom. And then they're amazing. They went, took care of it. And in my next one-on-one, my, my next opportunity with him, he came up to me, and he's like, hey, can I, just, can I just have a private conversation with you? I actually use that language. Can I have a private conversation? Can I submit something to you? I've prayed about it. I've asked the Lord if I should share this with you, but I need to share it because it's bothering me. And I said, please, let's do it. Thank you. He said, hey, when you came and you brought that to me, it felt like I had no say in it. It felt like you were just telling me what to do. It felt like you didn't really feel or think about how much time we had put into all of the sets, and now we were changing stuff. And, and honestly, I wish I would have had an opportunity to have a say in it. And I was like, oh, my gosh, man. In a private conversation, I was able to apologize. I was able to say, hey, man, you're absolutely right. As a leader, I missed it. Here's what we can do next time. Next time, I think, would it help if you're in that meeting next time? He's like, dude, that would be amazing. That would make a huge difference. If that conversation would have happened in public, I promise you, that same, that same outcome wouldn't have happened because people are watching. Emotions are high. What I love that he did is he brought this to God first and then submitted it in love and grace and truth, but not, like I said, not as a robot. Like he's not a, I love hearing because I know I'm a human. I know I'm going to make mistakes, but it's how you do it and where you do it that matters a whole lot. Amen? Let me ask you this. Do you know the vision of your leaders? Do you know the vision of your pastors for all the ministries, worship and video and audio uh, and social media? Uh, here's how we teach it in our church. The vision is like a, like if you, let's do this. Everybody close their eyes. Everybody close their eyes real quick. Everybody close their eyes. I'm going to ask you to picture a sunset in your head. Picture a sunset. Tulio, what do you see? Fort Myers Beach. That's awesome. Uh, somebody else. Carlos, what do you see? Sunset on the Rocky Mountains. Okay, I don't need anybody else because that proves my point right there. You see how everybody, y'all can open your eyes real quick. One had a vision of a sunset in the beach. The other had a vision of a sunset in the mountains. Very different. If your pastor has a, a vision of a sunset on the beach, and when you think sunset, you think mountains, and y'all are trying to paint the same thing, it's going to be a mess. It's going to be a mess. It's not going to look like the vision that God has given this house. Here's where I'm going. The importance of understanding the vision of your pastor is God, according to Scripture, has downloaded that to him. Now, what that means is this. Uh, it means that we get to color it. We get to choose the brushes. We get to ask about the paint. We get to ask about how we're going to make it happen. But we don't change the vision. We paint the vision. Does that make sense? Are you all tracking with me? So hear, hear me out. Do you know the vision of your leader, of your pastor? Because if you have mountain setting sunset, and he's got, or whoever, Pastor Raphael, has a different vision of what the ministry should look like. If you don't know that, you're going to be clashing. There's not going to be unity of the spirit. Let me tell you how it plays in our church. So for us, services, here's what I know. The vision of our pastors is we got to keep the new person in mind. We got to keep that new person that doesn't know anything about Jesus in mind. What does that mean? Man, we try to not be too churchy. Come on. Christianese, I call it. Uh, we try not to be too Christianese. We, we try to be aware of things that we use, like when we use the word anointing for a new person. They don't know what that means. Uh, so that's a very big piece of our vision. Uh, we, we try to 
as best as we can, grow everybody that's in, in, in there. So just because we're new believer mindset or new person mindset doesn't mean that those that have been walking with Jesus cannot eat on a weekend, right? So we try to make sure that the services have some milk but also have some meat and potatoes. Does that make sense? We make sure that our services don't go over 70 minutes because we believe that if someone in our church goes, hey, come to my church, it's not going to be more than an hour and 10 minutes, and we go three hours, that person will never come back because you just lied to them. You just told them it was going to be an hour and 10 minutes, and it was three hours. They ain't coming back. So for us, we know our church people are leveraging their relationships to have people come meet Jesus, right? We have to. So that's a part of our DNA. As our worship, our worship, we want it to be spirit-led. We want it to be spirit-breathed, right? So we're going we're gonna to sit on songs. We're going to listen to songs. We're going to craft songs that we, as we lead it, is not just singing it. We're, we're, it's coming from our spirit. It's coming from an understanding of what we're singing. We, we love Selah moments. We want a moment in the worship set where we leave about two minutes to just rest. We're not rushing to the next song. We're teaching our church how to sing their own songs. We're teaching our church to hear from God. That's a part of the vision of my pastor. Like I said, we'll be doing more Planet Shakers. There's not a whole lot of that. You know what I'm saying? Boom, 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 boom. You feel me? But that's a vision of my pastor. Comps, arts, social, video, everything that we do, we try to, we try to minister to everybody. But we know one of the things that's part of the vision of our house is that we want to reach that 35-year-old man. Here's what that means. We want to reach everybody, but we're going to target that person because if we try to target everybody, it's going to be incredibly difficult. But we try to do that in, in, in what sense? So I'm 35, so I would be the perfect target for our church. What that means is we try to make sure that whatever we put on social, whatever we put on videos makes sense to me because we believe that if, if, if we get the 35-year-old dad, the family will come. But we've seen, again, don't hear what I'm not saying. We've seen kids that start going to church and the parents come to church. Don't. But as we put social, like our colors are bolder. We try not to be super feminine on how we You see what I'm saying? I'm going very detailed, but that's part of the vision of our house. It's going to be different for years. One of the things that our pastor has said, we are next level church. We're not Elevation Church. We're not Hillsong Church. We're not uh, you name it. We're going to find our vision through God and through what God has given us. Does that make sense? Y'all with me? Awesome. Uh, just for the sake of time, I'm going to skip, and um, here's, here's what I want you to know. What I want you to know is this, is that this whole idea of knowing our place as creatives in the church, that as we choose to, to spend time with God and humble ourselves and, and being spiritual, submission to the authority that God has given us, there, there is a way that Satan, again, Satan tries. He, he tries. This, this is not like a big thing you'll notice. This is a little thing at a time. And here are a few things that you can, just on a personal level, that I can give you as just a, hey, be on, the, be on the lookout for this stuff. How do we know if we're kind of falling away from, from our role as creatives? We're falling away from prioritizing God, being humble, being submitted in the spirit. Let me say this. When we don't take feedback well, when our leader or someone in the ministry goes, hey, man, let's, let's work on this on a spiritual level. Let's work on this on a technical level. And maybe we, we become defensive, or maybe we like our design better, or maybe we like the song. I like to sing the song this way, or I like to teach this way. What do we do when that happens? When we start making choices, when feedback comes and we reject it, that's a step further away from the vision that God has for your house. It drives when your pastor 
asks you to keep a song at a certain time or a worship set at a certain time, and because you're feeling it, we've had this, by the way, because you're feeling the moment, you go an extra three minutes because it's okay. You drift a little bit away from that. And it drifts when we stop praying about every piece that God has entrusted us. Here's how I want you to think about it. God has entrusted you with the song you're going to sing this weekend. God has entrusted you with that social post. God, not, not your, God you're, you're a voice of God's church in this city. So every piece that you touch on a creative level is not just a to-do list. It's a responsibility you have to steward it as God would encourage you to do it. Amen? So now let me give you, on a, that's on a personal level, I want to talk team really quick. So all of us collectively. Also, as we make decisions personally, we also have to make decisions collectively as a team. So I want to give you three spiritual choices to build a great creative team. Here's the first one. Choose to fight for unity. My God, choose to fight for unity. The Bible's clear. You're around humans, you're going to have issues, period. I wish I had better news for you today. But as long as we're dealing with people, things will happen. Someone will offend you, maybe unintentionally, or again, maybe, maybe it is intentional. I don't know, but some, something's going to happen. Something's going to be said that's going to hurt your feelings. Something's going to be done that you're not going to agree with. The key is this. There is a way to have healthy conflict according to Scripture. Fight for that collectively. Make a choice today to say, hey, we are going to be united. Look at what Ephesians chapter 4, verses 1 to 3 says. This is Paul speaking, as a prisoner of the Lord, then I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you've received. Creative, let me add that, being called to be a creative. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Here's the key, make every effort to keep the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace. How do we do this? Hey, we gotta be, we gotta be humble and we gotta be gentle. We gotta be humble and we gotta be gentle. We got to go to God first about our hurts, about our issues, about our needs, about what we need. Before you go to your brother that offended you, the Bible says, come to God first. That should be your first resource, right? Then you go to the person like Jesus, filled with grace and truth. That's what the Bible says. He was all grace and all truth. What that means is this. If you just bring truth to a conversation, this is what you did. You're probably right, but you have no grace. Here's how we define it in our culture at our church. Truth with no grace Equals mean. <laughs> you come in and you might be hot. Hey, Colombians, we're a little hot sometimes. You know what I'm saying? The, the blood starts blowing. You, you look really nice. Probably not. So I'm sorry. But I get heated. I get like, wait, 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 what? Hold up a minute. And I'm quick to go, truth. The Bible says when I do that and I don't slow down and receive the grace of God and actually spend time with God first to process that first, it usually comes off as mean. Now, what if we're filled with grace and no truth? It's okay. It's not a big deal. You heard my feelings. It's all good. Now, I'm saying sometimes we need to let go of offenses. Don't hear what I'm not saying. But grace without truth is meaningless. It's true because then there's no opportunity to get better, to correct what's wrong. Truth without grace mean. Grace without truth meaningless. Speak the truth in love. Matthew 18 is the best example. Someone did something to you, go privately and talk to them. If that doesn't work, you bring a leader in. That doesn't work. There's other steps for that. But the truth is this. you got to remember this. As you fight for unity on the team, they're not the enemy. You don't fight flesh or blood. You don't fight each other. You fight Satan. 
So when you choose to go, okay, well, hold on, I'm going to go to God first. I've had to learn this. Let me be honest because I'm quick. On, and sometimes, you know, when you're right, but you're, your timing's off and you have no grace, you're, you're still wrong, even if you're right. And I've had to learn to slow down my spirit, to slow down my mind, to meditate, to get every thought captive and submit it to Christ first. And when I do that, every single time I bring something to a brother or sister with grace and truth, I'm telling you, the Bible does not come back void. If there's humility, there's quick reconciliation. If there's humility, there's quick learning how to get better. So fight for that. Here's the second one. Choose to build the team together. Choose to build the team together. Hey, this is, can I tell you, you're a part of a growing church. This is a growing church. Man, I can't believe you guys, that new place, uh, all the people that God is adding to your church. So, so let me say it this way. Because this is a growing church, that means this team should be growing too. If you're a part of something healthy that's growing, remember, he's the vine and we are branches. We should be fruitful. If it's not fruitful, it might be cut off from the vine. Vine is Christ. If Christ is making this church grow, then your ministry should be growing too. All creatives should be growing. Ecclesiastes chapter 4 verses 9 and 10 says this. Two people are better than one. They get more done by working together. If one person falls, the other one can help him get back up. But it is hard for the person who is alone when he falls. No one is there to help him. Here's what I'm talking about. I'm talking about choosing to build this team together. Choose to recruit together. Choose together to say, hey, we're going to be in every group that we have. We're going to be in the foyers. We're going to be in the parking lots. We're all committing to finding more people. Like I was going to tell you, this is what I tell my, our teams at Next Level. I'm gonna, are we recording this? That's fine. I don't care if they know. <laughs> hey, listen. From the stage, I can smell them. I know when I see a creative. They have a particular smell. Sometimes it's like they don't, they don't bathe the same way. I know. <laughs> I know when I see a creative. And I've taught our team, if you think they're a creative, go talk to them. If you think that they can be a part of social, you follow them on social. They have great social. You think they're a worship leader, go talk to them. Guess, guess what? If they're not, you just made a friend in the church. <laughs> it's a win-win situation, but we've all committed to say, hey, we're going to recruit together. Here's what that means. Let me challenge you guys, if I may. I know I'm new, but let me just be an uncle for two seconds. Um, replace yourself. Think about your part of your calling is to replace yourself. Not saying that you're going to leave. I'm saying... That you have a mindset that says, if it's up to me only, I'm hurting the team. Because at some point you're going to get sick. At some point you're going to get to travel. At some point something's going to happen, yeah? And if there's nobody else that can do what you do, you're hurting the team. And again, I'm not saying that on an intentional level. What I'm trying to say to you is, if you can think about everybody committing to helping one another in that way, that's a big deal. What that means also is pour out your gift Pour out your gift to someone. If there's someone on the team that is coming up, don't see them as a threat. They're not your enemy. They're your, they're your team. Pour out what you got. You know, if you lead like this with hands open, if you go, God, you gave me this gift, whatever it is, social, video, worship, you gave me this gift. You can either lead like this, which is mine, and I do it, I'm going to do it as I please, or you lead like this. I've learned, I've learned in my life, that when I lead like this, there's times where God's going to take someone and lead him to a different direction. But I'm going to pour my heart out. I'm going I'm to give him all I got. And what I've seen time and time again is any, it's a, it's a generosity concept. If God can trust you with little, he'll trust you with much. So if you lead like this, I promise you, 
man, God's going God's gonna to elevate your leadership. You're going to be the guy that's teaching or the, the girl that's teaching. Does that make sense? Loosen your grip on what God has entrusted you with. Here's one thing that we say at our, uh, at our church. One house, many rooms. That means uh, we, we call this whole thing one platform. Regardless of where you serve, social or video or worship, every environment is the same for us. There is no greater environment than others. If there is a soul that needs Jesus, that environment is the same as if there was 10,000 for us. So we are going to pour our hearts and our, and our gift as best as we can to serve him. What that means is that there's no greatest amongst us. There's no more important than, than, than them or than, than her or than him. We're all sons and daughters. We're all the same. Do we play different roles? Sure. But we don't carry a spirit that says, because I do this, I'm more important. Never. Man, if you see that, fight for culture. Fight for that. That's not God's heart. Here's the last thing. Build values. Build culture. As you build your team, build values and culture, not just division. Division is important. Yes, like I said, build division. But how you are going to be on the way matters a lot. Because you can get to that sunset and you've painted the best sunset and people are coming to Christ, but then y'all hate each other. Because their values, the culture, the things that we're talking about, the healthy conflict, the loving conversations, you can do all this and, and, and end up not liking the people that God has put in your life. Build the values. Build the cultures. The non-negotiables. For us, fun. We're going to have fun. We're going to be teachable. We're going to be loyal. We're going to have trust in God and one another. Like I can, I can literally recite them to you because this is how we as a church uh, at Next Level, that's, that's how we're building the vision. We're not just worried about building the vision. We're, we're worried about building people and building one another and how we're going to be on the way, how we're going to be when we get there. With that being said, I want to give you the last one, and it's this, and then we're going to have some time of q and I want to make sure that I leave some time for that. Uh, but choose discipleship over any gift. Choose discipleship over any gift. God, at the end of the day, when you get to heaven, you knock on heaven's door. He's not going to ask you about how, how you killed that lead on Raise of Hallelujah. Or that social post that you did or didn't do. Or that video. He's going to ask you what you did with what he entrusted you with. More importantly, the people that he put in your life. Did you, did you point them to me? Did you grow them in me? Did you allow them to see me differently? Or were you so concerned with building the thing that you forgot that the priority was love God, love people? He made it very simple. Love God above all things and then love one another. It is so important that we remember that spiritual maturity and spiritual growth is the main thing as creatives that we ought to be worried about. That if we do that, everything else will become afterwards. So Matthew chapter 6 verse 33 says this. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And the Bible says, all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will bring worry on itself. What the Bible is saying there is, hey, seek, the seek God's righteousness. Seek his kingdom. And his heart and his kingdom is, is God and his people. So what does that mean for us as a team? Uh, let me encourage you. We pray and fast together before any event that we have. We commit the seven days before Christmas, the seven days before Easter, the seven days before a conference, the seven days before anything that we know has some sort of, uh, you know, evangelistic or, or pouring out, we're going to pray and fast. And we're going to do it as a team. We're going to prioritize that. We're going to come in. And before, we do, uh, and, and before we do any of that, we will prioritize God. On a daily, on a weekly basis, we just have prioritized that we're going we're gonna to pray 
before we touch any instruments, before we touch any cameras, we're going to come in and for 15 minutes we're just going to seek the face of God. We're going to pray for one another. There's times where the team comes in and you can tell. I'm, uh, I'm intuitive. I'm very intuitive. Like I can, I can be in a room and I can like not discernment. You know, discernment has to do with the spiritual. I'm talking about intuitive, just, just kind of feeling people. Like I, I have a very strong weird thing. I wish I could turn it off. I don't know how to do it. If you know, come talk to me. I would love to know. But there's times where you're in a, in a group and, and people have had a horrible week. People come in, they lost a family member, they lost their job, and we've committed that discipleship goes before the gift. I'm not saying this happens all the time, but there's been Thursday nights when we have a rehearsal or we have a, a group of photographers come in and we feel like, man, people are struggling. We won't touch anything. We'll just pray for one another. We'll just, we'll just lay hands on another. We'll just worship. We'll just, hey, you know what? What's more important today is not that we do this. Yes, we'll figure that out. But what's most important right now is that this person is hurting and they need a touch from Jesus. So if we need to spend 20 minutes praying and lifting them up and, and crying with them or thinking about how we can help them, that is what we're going to do because the priority is God and its people. Amen? So as we close, let me just encourage you, and then we're going to spend some time. I think we have a little bit of time left, yeah, uh, for some uh, Q&A. Uh, here's, what, here's what I want to say as I close. Uh, I, I do believe this because we have lived it and we have seen it. God will bless if you prioritize him first, if you prioritize these things that we talked about on a personal and collective level, but here's the key. The key is consistency. You can get fired up at this conference. You took great notes. You're going to go, and for the next two weeks, you're going to be all in. That's cool, but that's not going to have long-term impact if you, three weeks from now, stop doing what, what we talked about. What I'm encouraging you to do is this. Commit to 66 days. That's a weird number. Let me tell you why. Like I said, I'm a nerd about stuff. It says 21 days. It takes 21 days for someone to create a habit. Let's go really weird. You want to smoke? Don't do it. Just for the record, don't do that. But most people that end up smoking, they create the habit after doing it for 21 days. Does that make sense? You want to exercise. You want to create a habit? Do it for 21 days. See what happens. You're, you're, you're kind of, you kind of start getting in that flow. But then they said that if you do something for 66 days, it'll become a lifestyle. And I'm encouraging, don't make it just a habit. Make this a lifestyle. And that's what we've seen. The moment we've committed to go, hey, beyond the 66 days, this is who we are going to be. Man, we have seen, can I tell you, our teams, you know, it's, it's church ministry's life. Things go up and down. People come and leave sometimes, and that's normal. But, uh, but what we've seen is an incredible amount of people growing in their faith. We've seen people be healed. We've seen marriages be healed. And that, man, that I think... Above all creative things that we can do, that pleases the heart of God. And if we do that, everything else will be added on. So I just want to encourage you, let's do that together. Amen.